All right, hey guys, welcome back to Scriptures and Stories. Today I'm here with Charles. Charles, how are you doing, dude? I know we talked a little bit. We took so long to set up this podcast, dude. Like, it took so long to get this, like, audio sync. Anyways, we're good. We're good. But how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy that the audio sync is good to go. I'm feeling good and enjoying the rain right now. It's raining where you're at? It's raining, yes, sir. We get rain lots of time during the year where are you you're in washington right yeah southwest okay okay did you always grow up there no um we actually just moved here short of 2020 dang grew up in oregon did most of my time there okay so i mm-hmm. guess let's since we're talking about it what's uh what's the who's the old charles like what what's the you know what's the old charles like wow uh there's a lot to that um (laughs) old charles probably is um well just start from the the beginning like how did you did you grow up with a strong christian background or i mean i can say yes um through my parents um, they were really that strong foundation um, that guided me through and helped me to find that base when I was ready to really choose that for myself. Mm. Yeah, that's good that you're, like you said, you're able to choose that for yourself. So starting off, um, like when you're little, what was your perception of of like the Bible or Jesus or you know like what what was what was your view from what i can remember which isn't much it was just uh, a time we got to get together and like evenings mostly sing songs together uh hear scripture we sang like scripture songs as a family uh that was fun to grow up and do um really i didn't have a great understanding or grasp um, heard a lot about like the last days, um, mm. being an Adventist. I think that comes with it. Um, hearing about that more often than not. Um, also hearing a lot about love and uh, whatever that would mean, just like an unconditional love and Jesus as a friend. Now, when I'm little, I don't really know what that means very well. And I don't think I learned that till much later yeah so when you say like you didn't really know what that meant because you said you said for you like christianity or like religion was like you know worship or like hanging out with your friends and like going to church so was it more of like a event or more of like a meeting instead of like actual like personal or you know what i'm trying to say yeah i think so yeah definitely more of um an exterior thing something we do at a certain time um definitely my parents religion and i held that view um more recently um than not and um just trying to navigate for myself looking back i think it was just like a we went to church once a week and that really didn't carry over into the rest of our week uh, we did some things we prayed and before meals and whatnot, but 
besides worships and church. That's um, probably the extent of my spiritual exposure. Not yeah, very personal, no. When did, like, what was the, what was your whole journey of like getting to where you are today? Cause like, you know, that's, you know, clearly not the, the case right now. Right. So what, what was your whole right. journey of getting to where you are today? Like from that point of like, yeah, like Christianity is just like, you know, hanging out with friends, worship, church, uh, my parents' religion. What, what happened in the, in between? Uh, a lot of years of just going through life, um, experiencing growing up in the different ways that my family did. Um, church exposure, of course, added to when I finally got out to make decisions, going to college for the first time, being away from home, you know, you have that, uh, feeling of freedom and to an extent you very much have a lot more freedom than you did at home, but more to decide things, uh, what you believe more freely. And, um, it was, it was an experience because I had an idea of what religion, church life, uh, spiritual, uh, how do I say connection relationship should look like, but mm -hmm. what I didn't see around me is this idea, um, this connection, especially through church members. I felt like I got to focus on, or I felt like I focused more on the bad things that might have happened um, uh, through growing up, the different experiences maybe my family had with the church or uh, interactions that we might have had um, or my parents' reactions. Uh, and I think that affected me going into uh, maybe focusing more on the negative side. So now I'm looking at people, right? And that's not really helping my journey because we're supposed to focus on Christ and his perfect example. And so that led me away from the church. I chose to, um, well, I chose to let that lead me looking back uh, because one night I sat down at a table and I was like, man, love and religion are so similar, like total devotion to a person, total devotion to someone um, and living for that person or uh, that being God. Um, and I was just, you know, I was firing off in my head, sat down with a piece of paper and I just wanted to outline it, like, how, how can I compare and contrast these two things, love, religion? And so I just wrote it all down. There was like Bible verses coming to my head um, that I knew just from singing them growing up. And I really got a nice outline. But then for whatever reason, I feel like I got to see all this and feel that, um, I don't know, we don't go out of feeling, but sometimes I think I feel things. But just understanding from just a scholar point of view, understanding what I had written. And then I think I went in the opposite direction, you know, looking at what is. And then I was like, hey, actually, I want to figure this out for myself, find my own conclusions, because this is crazy that it feels so connected and is similar. And then learning like end of the story, learning God is love and that's his character. Then it's obvious how these two are one in the same almost so you writing down these things did that happen um right when you're like leaving the church or did that happen like later on because i'm kind of i'm a little confused on the yeah time. right i think right when i was leaving the church okay um, 
yeah so you're in that space of like like thinking about it and stuff and and then you just think like man love and religion are the same but you like you said you don't follow it right right i don't look at that paper and think you know this is it god is love you know this i'm gonna commit my life to god it was it seemed very much the opposite reaction yeah so what did that what did that um like opposite reaction like lead into a lot of um constructing my own ideas learning what love means um trying to um learn how to love myself i guess there was a lot of that and then of course that got popular on social medias and so everyone's like oh love yourself before you love anybody else so of course that got into my head because you know the how are you going to love anybody else so i'm like okay well i have to figure out how to love myself and figure out who i am so that sent me on kind of an identity search for mm. who i am who i could be who i want to be um yeah yeah and when you yeah when you go through that like you know you need to love yourself before you love other people if you don't know like who you are in christ like like you try to find other ways to build that love for yourself. So what, at the time, what were you like, what were you filling yourself with that you thought was like, oh yeah, this is how I love myself. A lot of vanity, a lot of uh, maybe more frivolous adventures um, to be mildly vague um, on purpose. Um, It was a lot of meeting other people's ideas for uh standards for well from anything from appearance to character um fitting in to friend groups that didn't serve uh, me or them um, from a selfish point of view you know um and then moving on from that falling apart from everybody's ideas and then trying to create my own um it was quite interesting. Mm. So how long are you in this? Like, like, yeah, like I need to love myself, do it on my own. Like, it's up to me. How long are you in this like, t- like s- mental space? Man, I want to say not strictly bleeding or bleeding in between um, leaving the church. So I'm going to say like 2018. I was still living at home by then, so kind of still in the church, not mentally, obviously. Um, All the way through, man, June 2020. uh, No, June 22. Yeah. Mm. I was like a night and day contrast for where I was, how I was, and obviously kind of more of a gradient going into from June 22 through the end of the year. but definitely more of a contrast for when I stopped uh, doing a lot of the things that I was doing and uh, believing some of the things that I was believing. Yeah, what what made you, like, so June 2022, or 23, is that what you said? No, 22. 22, Yeah. Yeah. June 22, like, what, what happened around that time? Yeah, I went across the country to... Alabama, a place called um, 
Yuchi Pines. It was a medical missionary training uh, center, and it was a vacation, <laughs> a um, a beautiful bubble that I got to experience, um, but really got to work through a lot of um, things that definitely held me back mentally, um, spiritually, and coming to terms with a lot of things. It was like, yeah, I like to say a vacation. Just I got to pull myself out of where I was physically, mentally, spiritually. Well, I didn't pull myself. God pulled me out. But it was like the removal of the physical and completely different environment. And the only thing that I knew was my my older brother who went with me. And so it was uh, brand new and it was just really awesome to switch up my point of view, switch up thought processes. Um, crying is a release that I got to experience there as well with the green beans I did farming. But yeah, that was where I got to go. And it was an awesome experience, transforming for sure. What, um, what led you to go to Uchi Pines? Like what, how, how did that happen? I was down and out probably the worst I had been in my life, mentally, spiritually. Um, at the end of 21, I was like moving through these transitionary periods. I stopped working at a job um, where I held all of my like worth and identity in mm-hmm. after you know losing that from other people. I was like, I have to define myself so now it's all built onto what i have the money i make uh, the job i work the people i talk to um and then leaving that job and then what what was that job it was i was just working transportation logistics at a plant nursery um (laughs) okay boring for some people but i had a blast learning it from the beginning to the end Hmm. but um it was it was really fun and uh, good good work good pay, um, so I enjoyed it. But I was four hours away from home, so I come home and I'm looking for a job. It's the end of the year, still COVID, middle of the city. Nobody wants to really hire, and I kind of like go through a couple of jobs. They're not really fitting. I'm not really feeling it, and so I feel like, or I am in kind of like this downward spiral. spiral losing my focus. I'm like, I don't, I'm not worth anything now. I'm not making money. Um, nobody is going to like, uh, I'm not investing in myself. So how can I invest in other people or how would people, you know, want to a lot of self doubt, a lot of introspection in the wrong way. Um, just leading me down and down and down mentally. So I am at the bottom of the year at the bottom of my mind and I get a call to go to Hawaii. I have family over there at the time. So I'm like, okay, this will be a nice breather, a nice restart. Um, For me, a lot of times a physical uh, surroundings change helps a lot to like break out of a mental cycle. Deep in a mental cycle, I get to go to Hawaii and work, make a website, spend time with my, um, my family over there who I haven't seen in a while which is really nice. So then I'm over there. I don't really have a job yet, but I'm applying just to do something while I'm figuring out like what's the next big step, right? Do I do career? Do I do education? 
do I do education for a career? You know, figuring that out. So I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, mom, I'm here. What do I do? You know, uh, she's a very wisely has great ideas. I'm like, you know, what do I do? And at at this point, like, like at your job, at your, like at the plant nursery job. And like, after that, what was your view of religion or God? Like, did you, were you like, like, oh, he's real. I just don't really care. Or were you like, oh yeah, like I'm like, like, did you even think about it at all? Like what, what was your, your view or your, your sight in, in that? Yeah. So checking back into my mindset there, I was, I was, I believed in God. I don't think I ever stopped believing in God. And at this point I was, um, he was a guy that did stuff for you or it was good. You know, I didn't have any negative ideas about God mostly. Um, but he was somebody that did stuff for you somebody my parents believed in for sure. Um, The last days ideas and events that we know about, I don't know, revelation and stuff um, kind of has been an interest for me. So my, my mom talks about it. I get, you know, it's in my head and I'm thinking about things like that. So it's relevant to me to the extent of I pray to him to make a decision. Do I go home or do I not go home or, you know, stuff like that. But I don't, I think my prayers are heard because I kind of pray consist, not consistently, but through these years, I say a prayer or two that are like decent. And I'm just trying to understand my relation to him, but I'm adopting all these new ideas about myself, my identity, who I am, who he is. And I craft this, um, how do I say, I craft this identity that I understand is acceptable and suitable because I've chosen it. If you have questions about that, you can definitely ask. Um, So when, when you say like acceptable, you mean before God or you just mean like for the world, like just acceptable, like for you, or you mean like, oh, like God will accept me now. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, how do I mean? Um, Definitely that I have some ideas about what I I can do, what I should do that I don't agree with now, but I was like, this is who I am. God loves me for who I am. And so we're moving forward with this, I guess. So, so you were like, you you were like, yeah, I know God is love. So that means I can do whatever I want. Like kind of like that. Yeah, I want to say kind of like that, but not that I feel like I'm off the hook, just that I feel okay with the things that I'm doing. I don't feel that they're condemned by anything. So the choices I made are not right, are not the right way to walk, but I feel, I don't think that they're not the right ones. I just think they're mine, so they're okay. And you just don't feel like God will have a, like you're just like, well, God will love me still. Right. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. So I'm in this place where I believe in God. I believe he's there, but I don't really believe he's there for me. If I pray to him, I'm praying to him for my family because I know they believe in him. Um, And especially Mm -hmm. towards the end of 2021, I really get in there. I'm just like, you know, my prayers are, God, I know my family believes in you. And so for 
for them. I pray for I pray for them for their life, health, safety, prosperity, things like that. Nothing for me. I don't feel like God is going to, you know, want me at this point towards the end of 21. Um, I don't have so much of that um, jaded view before this point, but when I'm getting, you know, bad mentally, spiritually at the, at the end of the year is when I really kind of um, doubt God's love for me. And I think that's where it got even worse for me. So I go to Hawaii and I feel like I'm, I can breathe. Um, and so I start kind of diving into spiritual content, not really dedicated uh, to it, but feeling like I can find some peace here mm. and I can try to connect with God in a different way because I know I can go to him. Like deep down, I know I can always go to God even when I feel like he doesn't love me, you know? And so that's why I still pray for him, for my family at that time. So did, that's where I was so you, spiritually. So you, you know, okay, wait. Let me backtrack a little bit. So you're you're like, you, like you said, you're you're like, yeah. Um, I don't feel bad for the things I do because it's me doing them. Is there any point where you're like feeling guilty? You're like, man, like I should stop. I, I don't know what things you're doing. Like you know, you're you're not saying so. I don't know if you want to say, but um, like, are, is there any time where you're just like, man, I need to stop? Like, and then you just like you're like, but bro, but I can't, or like you're just like no but it's okay like what was your mentality for like wanting to stop or trying to stop like did that ever come up some of the things i didn't see as wrong um yeah not that i was like well i can do them because god loves me it was just i didn't view them as wrong um i could find ways to um be like oh well it's not actually wrong based on some uh, what is it called more eisegesis than exegesis um, mm -hmm. pulling my own ideas. Uh, so I just didn't see it as wrong. So I didn't feel guilty and, um, looking back and seeing things I wrote, things I, um, was processing with my mind with, I'm like, wow, that was, that was pretty interesting. Or thinking back on prayers I prayed, it's like, I just didn't view these things as not okay. So I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. I had myself convinced I was okay. So I didn't feel guilty for those things. Other things like there was, I don't know, there was like drugs and drinking, um, more of a party, loose lifestyle in that manner. And those things I did feel were wrong. Um, of course, I grew up knowing that these things are wrong. They're bad for you. And so uh, for a long time, I was like, I'm never touching any of that. But then I started. And so those things that I did feel were wrong, I could... Um, kind of understand where those things affected my health physically mentally and um those things i uh, i stopped here and there not completely for a while really until june 22 but um yeah just some things i didn't view as wrong i didn't understand that they were wrong or how they were wrong because i was in this jaded mindset of what's right and what's wrong through the built up through the years of understanding life since like, say, I don't know, 2017, working through different ideas. Mm. So you're going to Hawaii and you're still kind of thinking like that, but you said you're starting to like take in some spiritual content. So did that spiritual content like have an impact on like this aspect of your life where you're like, oh, is this wrong? Is this right? Like, did that have any impact on that? 
I don't think not yet. Yeah. Um, I was being, I was more willing to accept it, but I wasn't really ready to accept it. Um, and so I was just kind of diving in, using it as more of like a, I get by with through this time period, I do some of this. And then once I get good, not, this wasn't my mindset going into it, but once I got like feeling like I'm okay, I can do it myself now, you know, I can take the training wheels off. Um, then I kind of discarded it and moved on feeling okay and confident, comfortable, comfortable at least, but working towards confidence. And so I think I used it more as a crutch to get me through those times rather than an actual meal to nourish me. Mm. That's deep. Hey, guys, Charles is a poet, if you don't know. So he's going to be using some big words and some deep thoughts. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So coming, so June... 2022 is that in hawaii when that uh, whatever happens in june 2022 or did you were you somewhere else yeah so i was in hawaii until uh, i don't know a few months before june like end of april that makes sense uh anyway yeah i was sitting at that table with my mom i'm like mom what do i do and um she's like do what lies nearest to you and i'm like what does that mean um <laughs> your mom's a poet too I know. And then she was like, oh, hey, there's this place called Uchi Pines. You're going to love it. I really think you should go. And so I'm like, okay, do I go? Do I not go? This is like a whole year of commitment for me. Um, that, that's a long time being that most of the, the jobs or school that I did didn't even last a year. So this is going to be a long time of commitment away from anything I know and love, um, whether it's scenery, my home, my family. So I'm like, do I do it or do I not? So I'm like, okay, um, if they accept me, I'll go for one year. And so turns out they accepted me much later. But uh, yeah, so I'm in Hawaii for a few more months and then I go back home. I want to go home to here in Vancouver for a while before I go to uh, Alabama for a year. So we're like, what was your view on like the spiritual aspect of UT Pines because like I'm sure you knew it was like a Christian like I mean do you want to explain UT Pines for a little bit if some people don't know what it is yeah for those who don't know UT Pines I would definitely say it's conservative some would define it as ultra conservative uh, but it was beautiful um, a lot of it was people working for God dedicating their lives uh, like missionary work every day um, they run a t natural remedy sanitarium over there. They do training programs from like, what do I say? Like home chef level, but I'm talking like home nurse level. Like you walk in and you're like, oh, let me borrow your shower curtain and some towels and I can do some hydrotherapy on you all the way up to um, say now you're in working in a sanitarium using these fancy machines. You know how to use them. You learn more about uh, like an unaccredited nurse program up to like a doctor program. It's more of like a, Hey, we see you're doing uh, like they request you to be in that program. Um, but more uh, all unaccredited, all uh, great training, great experience. They do like farm work, construction work. Um, and it's a beautiful community. I was told going in there, um, you're going into a bubble 
everyone there thinks the same thing, breathes the same air. Um, they called it even a fishbowl because like everybody knows what you're doing all the time, which it didn't even feel invasive because when I went there, I just saw beautiful, I saw everyone's personalities more expressive than I thought I would. I'm thinking everyone's going to be tight and rigid and folded into this perfect neat box of Christianity. But what I saw was you could see the loose edges and the people's, uh, you know, faith and those moments where, yeah, they struggle, but they have God and uh, they have their own doubts. You know, these aren't just perfect. These aren't perfect people. There are people just like the rest of us. But it was just awesome to be in a community, uh, I think, so faithfully dedicated to work, specifically health ministry. Dang, yeah, it sounds sounds really cool. And is it like in the like is it in the middle of nowhere or what? Like where? No, not really. Uh, it feels like it. Um, but what's cool is it's twenty minutes from Columbus, Georgia, which is the second biggest city in Georgia. Um, oh, okay, it's still pretty small, albeit, but uh, it's it's twenty minutes from town. Um, thriving cities um, right around it. Also. The little town it's in, Seal, Alabama, is really cute, and I love the country lifestyle. Yeah. So, did that like? Did you know what you were getting into, or like, what was like again? Like, what was your view of, like, oh, it's a Christian thing? Were you like, uh, I don't really want to go, or were you like, okay, let me give it a shot? Like, what was the aspect there? Yeah. So the mindset going into it, I was. Um, <laughs> I was still in the lifestyle that I had all the way up to like the night before um, I smoked with my brother before jumping on the plane. Um, and it was just, I was ready to go because I saw this as an opportunity to, uh, to grow, to move forward. I didn't know what kind of growth I would have, but um I saw this as an opportunity to change perspectives and move through life. So I was ready to go, but I was getting ready to um, mentally prepare to stay. They had a long period of time where they didn't say anything to me because the last time they called, they're like, okay, so the first time they called, we're talking about, you know, I put on my resume, I drink, I do drugs. And so they're like, hey, you know, <laughs> what about what? these things? You put it on your resume? Not not resume, but or on like your application. application. Yeah, yeah, you put it on your application. Yeah, yeah. You put <laughs> Did do they ask or did you just put it? They asked. Um, okay, they said okay. what's your experience with these things? And okay, so yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not why would I why do I need to lie? Or, yeah. you know, escape the truth a bit. So I'm like, okay, so I put it on there. They asked me about it and I was like, yeah, I'm still doing these things. You know, I just drank last night. So they're like, okay, well, you we don't do that here. I was like, okay, I get that. So they called me again, maybe like two weeks to a month later after they're processing my application more. And then they're like, okay, so checking in, where are you on this? And I'm like, well, you know, I just, I, I haven't stopped really. Um, so then there's just a long <laughs> pause where I'm like, I don't know if I'm accepted or not. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be accepted, then I just have to mentally prepare to stay. Um, start finding a job. So I start searching the day after, um, I, I wake up to an email that says, Hey, you've been accepted. And so I'm like, okay, great. So I don't have a thousand dollars to get there. I don't have a plane ticket, 
you know, God, if you want me there, this is on you. And I meant it. And then two weeks later, he has a plane ticket for me there and away from me. And I'm like, well, I guess this means I'm going, but well, I can still not go. Um, what what I was it? Like, what, how did you get that? I have no idea. I said, hey, who can I thank? They said, thank the education committee. It's like 10 people. So it could have been any of them. Could have been, you know, I have no idea. Dang. But I was like, this means, this means I'm going. So I took it and left. I was, I wasn't very apprehensive about going. I was, I think I was ready to try something different. And especially in the light of uh, something spiritual. I really wanted that reconnection. Um, I really wanted to experience that and get to know God because wherever I was in life, it just wasn't working. You know, I hadn't gotten myself anywhere good. So let's see what God can do. Were you just um, kind of like not fed up with, were you just kind of fed up with like the state you're at? Yeah, kind of. I was like, keep moving through because this is where I'm at, but I, I need something different. Hmm. And deep down, I knew that I could find that there. So I went and going into it, um, there was a lot of uh, internal emotions and struggle, but on the surface, I fit right in. And I think mostly it was comfortable, even when I was like in this mindset spiral, sitting in prayer meeting or something, I was still comfortable. I knew I was in a safe place mentally, physically, spiritually, um, set up only for my growth and to strengthen me. So when they talked about like, I mean, I don't know how classes work there or whatever, but I'm assuming they had, they like talked about God and had devotions or like worships or something. When they talked about oh, stuff sure. like that, um, yeah. were you just kind of like indifferent to it or were you like, okay, I'm gonna take it seriously. I'm gonna listen and like, I'm gonna like download what they're saying. Like, what was that? Well, what's cool is I did six months of work before I started classes. So by the time I'm in classes, I'm really acclimated to the flow of things there. Mm. Um, when you do your work study, you do a set of uh, chapel classes, but those classes are the same ones that you take with the, with the, your first courses. So I got to do it twice. The first time I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to be serious about taking notes. I had my notepad and stuff. And so I have some, some good notes from those first few meetings. And then I felt more, well, I guess between comfortable and exhausted from working so hard every day, um, doing farm work for the first time was crazy in the South, 99 degrees feels like 113 full humidity. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> Where am I? But it was awesome. So between being tired and being more comfortable, I kind of fell out of the habit of like, I'm a super awesome student. I'm taking notes about everything, you know, that type of mindset. And, um, I kind of felt not so indifferent to it, but it's always here. So I'm not striving after it so much um, after a couple of months, you know? Yeah. What's your, um, at this point, like, where's your identity, right? Like, are you, or are you starting to have that shift where like, oh man, like, like God actually loves me or are you, you know, still kind of like 
you know, just holding on to other things. Like, where's your, where's your view of yourself? Yeah. Um, my dad has this thing. He says, Jesus loves you. And so do I. So being home for those few months prior to Uchi Pines, even though I didn't really have like, I don't know, I don't want to say not a great relationship with my dad because it was good. We just don't talk a lot. We don't interact much. Um, I'm not really seeking to spend time with him during that time before Uchi Pines. Um, just kind of, we live in the same space. So we say, hey, once in a while, if I'm home anyways. Um, but he, I've always seen him as like the most spiritual, humble, kind person that I've ever known. Um, I don't even see him to get mad, like maybe ever, maybe like irritated once or twice. But, um, and so I just feel like that atmosphere kind of rubbed off on me a bit. But uh, he also talked to me about some other things that I was struggling with. And so I was, these were some of the things that I didn't see as wrong before. And so moving into Uchi Pines, I have some, uh, some verses or something, some more spiritual guidance, uh, if you will, to help me to let go of those things. So my identity is instead of focusing on something physical, um, appearance, um, money, job, um, a job title, um, what somebody says about me, you know, where can I find uh, a more, how do I say, maybe a more fluid identity, but maybe fluid's not the right word. Something that's higher than what this is, you know, yeah. higher than the meat raiment, uh, something that's more spiritual. And I, I'm looking for this. And what's cool is we start diving into Romans. Uh, like as soon as we get there, we're starting Romans chapter three. Uh, okay. And we're just doing this deep study uh, just for like a Sabbath school class. The guys there are like, oh yeah, let's study Romans chapter or Romans through the book. And we get there right as they're doing chapter three. Um, and the content is great because we're not just like reading through it. We're like stopping for 10 to 30 minutes on a verse to really discuss it. I've never read this book, but this is, this is great for me. I take some really good notes and it helps me to, everything just helped me overcome something internally um, and get through something else um, the more I learned. And then the things that I knew from the past, so verses I grew up with, ideas, theology, health, they were able to mingle into the things that I was learning now. And I could make connections. And so pulling those things out from, uh, you know, a long time ago, got to can make, you know, connections or pathways in my brain, I, I guess that's how it works, um, to move forward and uh, reestablish those things that were. Um, I'm letting go for identity. I feel like I'm just letting go of uh, who I was at this moment um, during these first six months and being willing to accept what can be, whatever that looks like, whether it confirms some things that I was doing or completely gets rid of those. Um, my prayer is now changed to something akin to, you know, God take me and change me like like isaiah said here am i um send me also that because i'm like 
I'll go wherever, but more of like a, here am I, change me, help me to surrender. It's finding a place to surrender and find that peace. Hmm. So at this point, are you like finishing your year at Uchi Pines? You're still at the start or where are we? Yeah, I'd say we're working through classes um, uh, where this matches up with identity. By the time classes start, I'm I'm conditioned to the way things are, the life that there is, the spiritual topics and uh, different levels that, that people talk at over here versus things that you don't hear as often or hear um, in local churches. Hmm. But still Adventist theology. Yeah, yeah. So is there like... At this point, because you said you're like, you know, used to the spiritual stuff, you're like getting it. Are you like downloading it? Like it's like getting in there or are you just kind of like surface level, like hearing it? Like, or is there stuff that you're still like, oh man, I, I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to do that. Or are you just like, like you're realizing you're changing, you know, like, is there a change starting to happen in, in the old Charles? Yeah. And I think one of those things that really helped me to understand that is um, like day one, getting there the next day and I drove up with earrings in and they're like, no, <laughs> take them out, please. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I take my earrings out and, um, the next day I start working on the farm. It was, it was awesome. I love working, so it was never a problem, but, um, kind of going into it, it was definitely a challenge, uh, physically, mentally, just getting through, continuing working. I got to plant trees. That was awesome. Anyways, but I think something that really helped me to understand where growth was and how I was able to grow was um, a comment somebody made. I started working with the farm manager there. Great guy. Uh, he's only maybe a few years older than me. Uh, has great experience. Really great Christian. He has a whole testimony that he shared with me as well. But I worked with him every day. And then towards like the end of the year, uh, so end of the first six months, they're transferring me to a different place to work. Um, and I got to work with some different people as well. But we're planting the little baby lettuces in the field, digging up, and this thing flies by. And when I first got there, I was like dodging everything, completely terrified of the flying insects and like wasps. And like, I'm not going over there. There's a bee's nest. You can see it. And the, he's like standing on the bee's nest saying, let's shovel this mulch. And I'm like, no way. What? Um, <laughs> and I was just kind of like more jumpy when I got there, but probably mentally as much as physically, um, as it just comes out through you. But we were planting the baby lettuces and he made a comment about how I've changed a lot since I've come there. And I was like, wow, thank you. You know, hearing that confirms anything that I might've felt or might've noticed because I'm just more focused on what's happening internally. Maybe some thought processes that I'm thinking about differently now, or I did a lot of, like I mentioned, crying earlier. I was crying in the green beans, picking them, tears in my eyes, praying to God about this thing or yelling at God because of this thing. There was a lot of working through some mental things there. And that was really healing for me in many ways. Um, so hearing that I had changed and being able to have that consistent person with me almost all the time, every day at least, um, all day, they got to really see that progress with me. And so that was encouraging. 
And I really think I was downloading a lot of it. As you mentioned, I was accepting what was happening, um, but also seeking for how I can let go more and accept more of it. You know, peace that passes understanding. It's just even you don't understand it. Um, you understand who it comes from, but to really experience that, you know, just, just peace. And then you want more of it. I wanted more of it at the time. Mm, so and it was like, crazy because it's such a, a black and white contrast for who I was. No peace to peace. And there's only one, uh, there's only one answer for where that came from. Jesus, God. Yeah. So you're, you're like, instead of just kind of not caring about it and, you know, like having no peace, not caring about God, just like doing what you want here, you're like peaceful and you're striving after, like you want more, you're like hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Yeah. I think I really felt that. And that was revealing in even more ways. So did you do, I, I don't know how UG Pines works. Is it one year or like two years? Like how, how long were you there for? Yeah, it was, um, the classes are six months. So I did work study. So I worked for six months to afford the classes for six months. So I was there for one year of time. Okay. And um, so leaving it, like, I mean, I'm just thinking like leaving it to coming into it. Are, are we at the end of it already or no? Are in timeline yeah so we're at the end of the timeline. so leaving it you're just like a completely different person and you're saying you can recognize that like you can look back and be like dang like like i, I came from there yeah i think yeah i think so um i felt really full and satisfied when i was leaving um and comfortable with who i was able to uh, learn who I am. That's bad sentence structure. I was able, comfortable with who I was and my identity that I had found in God. Um, and I just felt rejuvenated all the way through a lot stronger mentally than I had ever been. Um, even when I felt like I was doing great. Um, and really I had worked through a lot of hurdles, uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, and, I could better understand who God was for a clearer picture. Not in any case that I had arrived at that point. Um, but it was so awesome to look back and say, wow, that's who I was. And who can I still be if I stay here? Here yeah. being, abiding in God. So right now you're at Souls West. So there's definitely like a transition from somehow UG Pines to Souls West. But um, I know I know you posted recently on your Instagram, you talked about like, you, you said this quote, which was kind of fire. It was like, when you realize that um, your old man isn't holding on to you, but you're holding on to your old man because your old man is dead. So is there anything at this point that you feel like you're still holding on to from your old self? Or are you kind of just like, man, like I'm new, like I'm completely changed. Is, is there anything that you're still holding on to at this point? I think so. Um, at this point, being present versus at Souls West, I'm not currently at Souls West, by the way. Um, 
Oh yeah. I'm it was, I posted that because I, well, I realized I was presently in a struggle with something that, that was from my past, something that is from my past, um, who I identify as that old man, as Paul writes. And so I was like, well, you know, I thought this was gone. I thought, I thought I was like cured from this, but it, so I was like, I'm the one holding on to this idea, this thought process, this, um, this, you know, who, who I was because so, so the this only was way more recent than, oh yeah. Like leaving Yuchi Pines, you were like, you didn't really feel, you felt, felt like you were just like, man, like that old self is gone. Like you didn't feel like right. you were, okay, okay. So what, what was the, before we get to like recent stuff, what was the transition from Yuchi Pines to going to like Youth Rush and canvassing in Souls West? Oh, uh, that's it. Just soul, just Youth Rush. The transition from after Yuchi Pines, I went right into Youth Rush, right into Souls West from there. What, like, why'd you go to Souls West? What was the, what was the thought process? I went through Youth Rush and I was like, I, I know what I'm getting into. I'm knocking on doors. I've tried this already. I hate this. You know, I tried and missing why by one time knocked on the first door and then got back in my car and quit the job. I was like, I, I don't care about your Wi-Fi so much. You know, I don't know why I'm out here. They already have Wi-Fi. Why do I want to sell them more Wi-Fi? But doing Youth Rush was so much different. Yes, I'm still canvassing. Yes, I'm uh, convincing somebody to donate for uh, some spiritual books. But I know in every one of these books is something beautiful, something life-changing. Even if it's just one sentence, something in here can change someone's lives, uh, somebody's life. And so these really had, these books had a lot of stock. Um, and I really enjoyed being able to share them. Um, Youth Rush was, I joined for, okay, so I had two options after, um, not Youth Rush, Souls West I joined. Um, I had two options after Youth Rush to go to Colombia for, say, a month to do farm work, uh, learn Spanish, or go to um, Souls West, because then my my I was going to end up at home preparing for Adventist Frontier missions, and um, so you'd be going as a missionary, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was, you know, something to fill that time with. So I was like, okay, great, Colombia. So I go through Youth Rush, and everyone's like, hey, have you heard of Souls West? Of course I haven't. I didn't even know there's a school like this, and so I'm like, no. So I kind of look into it. Everyone's like, man, I could really see you as Souls West. There's a lot of that. And they're like, well, let me know if we're being too pushy. I don't, you know, someone's like, hey, you're being too pushy one time when we used to do this. And so, you know, I just, I don't want to be invasive. I just, this is my opinion. So I'm like, no, no problem. So I look into it more, understand it more, talk to more people about it. Like ask every, every leader. I'm like, hey, what's your experience? Tell me all these different things about Souls West. And it sounds really awesome, really appealing. And man, that was the greatest experience I've had in a school atmosphere with, with other people, young people, especially, um, you don't see a lot of those people, uh, a lot of young people, uh, willing to dedicate time, um, outside of these, the standards of the world and the structures and things you have to jump and build off of. So going from Yuchi Pines, I went through Youth Rush and that 
filtered me into Souls West. And that's where I ended up uh, learning more, not just about canvassing, but meeting people. Um, I feel like going into it, I was a lot, I was still feeling that residual, uh, just giant blessing from Yuchi Pines. Um, and then Youth Rush was, was great to feed that through talking to people, meeting people, and then going into Souls West. It kind of lost some momentum there at the end, spiritually for me anyways, but um, that was more of a, a personal struggle than, um, than the, uh, the community. Yeah. Um, well, before going into Souls West, so you had plans to be a missionary, right? But now you're not going to Colombia, right? You're going somewhere else. So, um, well, well first of all, like, why did you go to Colombia to be a missionary? Were you just like, I want to do something after UG Pines? And then, like... Yeah, basically, I wanted to keep going, learning, training. Um, and then also, I was really into practicing Spanish. Um, I really want to learn Spanish. Um, so that would have been a place for just complete immersion. I have to learn to speak if I want to eat. Um, you know, also working with farm work, I was going to do that. I loved farming. So I don't know, it would give me just more experience in a spiritual environment um, and more training as well. And so I was seeking for, you know, not just ending after UT Pines, going home, go get a job, forget I ever did UT Pines, but continuing in the work in the missionary work which is what what you're doing now if you guys don't know charles is like he was going to go to columbia right and then he went to souls west but during souls west his time at souls west like for the first year part part of the first year he was like on track to continue to be a missionary and then i think recently you got called to go to like a different country and so that's what you're doing now right yes Dude, that's awesome. So that's what I'm preparing for now. Yeah. It's so awesome. So so I mean we you mentioned it a little earlier, but like what happened recently where you were just like, man, I'm still holding on to this thing. Yeah, so I come back and I keep working. You know, I find a ministry to work with. That's been so awesome. But like from uh, Souls being, No, I'm working with uh, a different group. Yeah, yeah like um, coming back from Souls. Oh, right. From souls. So what are you, um, where are you working with? Uh, yeah. So it's, um, a nonprofit called Institute of young musicians for Christ. And it's, uh, um, oh, what? A mon- yeah. That are you familiar so with cool. them? No, but that sounds so cool. Like I love music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know something like this hap- existed. I went to GYC at the end of the year for the first time ever. Didn't know that existed. Um, and I got to find this, uh, or rather this, this mission found me. Um, I was doing choir with GYC and somebody texted in the group chat, Hey, does anyone like logistics and finance? And I was like, that sounds boring, but I like it. So, so I responded and then next thing I know, I'm, uh, working with some finances with this uh, ministry and it's so awesome because I love music too. Um, so that's, that's been a blessing just to learn the ropes and work with them. But um, yeah, what realizing they, what they that if you don't, yeah. Um, what they do is they work with uh, kind of, how do I say, I want to say renovating, reimagining, 
words like that, but changing what music ministry means, like to be a music minister, um, not just singing at your church once a week for special music, but actually um, taking music ministry around the world. They do mission trips for music academies. Um, they work locally doing like music camps around the country. Um, and it's a really awesome setup, just teaching people music, helping people know music for the first time, no matter what your age is, or um, helping people connect with resources, um, or sending them out as a music missionary, you know, to teach some uh, at some random school in, I don't know, Cambodia, Thailand is where they've worked, Madagascar. Um, it's pretty awesome. Dang, that's cool. Um, so you're about to say something, what were you saying before? Sorry, I cut you off earlier, but you're saying something. Yeah. So I'm here, you know, present 2024, January, you know, I'm back in my, my old, I'm not going to say old skin because that's different, but I mean, like I'm back in my old atmosphere, old uh, place. And so I don't know working through how I'm a new person in this old place, um, experiencing similar temptations to where I was before, um, and working out of not just removing those things from my life, but, um, replacing them with something better. I think that's the key for what I was working with, what I am working with is the, you know, I go through Uchi Pines and I remove these things from my life. And then if I don't continue with them, be consistent with them, continue seeking and thirsting after righteousness, then, you know, I just get to a point where those things are just gone. And then there's nothing to, you know, there's no basement floor to support what has been built up. Um, I have to keep moving forward and replace those uh, bad habits, those bad thought processes, continue replacing them with something better, finding that, uh, continue finding that foundation in Christ rather than moving back into the, oh, I feel okay. You know, I've got this um, kind of mindset that I, that used to get me stuck a lot of the times. And so realizing how important that is, um, has helped me a lot, especially working through like what I mentioned, realizing I'm the one holding on to that old man. Um, I'm the one choosing to think these things or do these things that um, would that don't serve anybody in the end. But instead of not doing those things, doing something better. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, something like a little word of encouragement that I could think of right now is, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, like he's the one who starts it. He's the one who finishes it. Um, so a lot of times we can be like, you know, I, I used to, bro, I used to resonate with this quote, man. It was this Ellen White quote. And actually really recently, I remember when I stopped by your guys' program in the summer, I used this quote, right? Like I am a plant, right? That was my, that was my little worship yeah. talk. Um, and it says like Ellen White says that the Christian life is like a plant. Its growth is steady and imperceptible, but continuous. And the way I used to resonate with that quote is like, when I'm not like in a spiritual environment, I'm like dying, right? Like I'm like a plant that's dying. Um, 
And I used to be like, see, like a Christian life is you're always growing or dying, growing or dying. But what I missed mm. in that quote is she says steady and imperceptible, but continuous, right? Like right. the Christian life isn't a life of like growing and dying, growing and dying. It's a continuous life. And when you give your life to Christ, he's the author and perfecter of that faith. So he he's the one that makes it continuous. It's not you that makes it continuous. It's him that holds it continuous. Um, yeah. So that's a little thing I would, you know, encourage you with. But um, it seems like yes, we're all caught up to your, your testimony. Is there anything you want to add to your testimony before we study through anything you want to? Um, no, I think... I think that's so far. That's where we're at. <laughs> okay. It's just to realize to to look back and see where you were, um, yeah. and then realize where you are. And I think that's why it's so important to share a testimony. Um, obviously, the Bible says it's important, saying that that's how we will overcome. You know, yeah. recounting those experiences where God has blessed, um, where God is, and you know you can see God working, even if it's not in a physical, tangible way where you're just like, that was God. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's no explanation other than God, you know, and remembering those things um, is is powerful, is strengthening. Yeah, Um something you said just reminded me like like you said we can like look back and see like where we came from and bringing back to that quote you said about you like your old man it's because you know we can look back and be like dude that's not who i am like we we can look back and be like that's where i've been delivered from you know like that old man is not who i am now so we we can just confidently say in these testimonies like jesus delivered me you know and um that's why we can that's why our testimonies are so powerful because it's it's like I'm delivered, like I'm changed. You know, like when like you you look back at your old life, your your old man, and you're like, man, like I can definitely see where God led me and where He's changed me. But yeah, is there mm-hmm. what's um what's something you want to study through for the last I don't know, let's study for a few minutes. But what's something you you've been studying that you're like, man, let me share this. Man, I really liked. There's this book by Dutch, Doug, Doug, Doug Batchelor <laughs> called At the Feet of Jesus. And he, it's just talking about uh, his tagline is the gospel according to Mary Magdalene. Mm. Um, I think reading that has been really powerful and impactful. I'm just on like the the first study part of the the story then study as he does going through some verses he does some sanctified imagination in there just to piece together a story um and get that going and then he goes into the actual like study the biblical backup and understanding but the life of mary magdalene and how she was um one of the followers of Jesus, you know, you don't really hear. And then Mary Magdalene went out and did these things, but you see her story and how God was, um, de- kept delivering her, you know, out of whom he cast seven demons, uh, that verse. Um, I really like her story and how it's strengthening to, um, to everyone. So if you have a topic in that, 
Is Mary Magdalene, is that the same, is that the woman caught in adultery too, or no? In the book, that's what he starts with. That's the first story, is the woman that they throw down at the feet is Mary Magdalene. In the Bible, that's not explicit, Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I was actually talking to my friend. Huh? Sorry. Yeah, you go. No, I was going to say, I was actually talking to my friend about that, because we were... We were talking about that story and um, she had asked like, like, oh, is that like Mary? And I was like, I think so. Cause it's, I know it's not in the Bible, but that's like what most people kind of agree on in the story or something. But yeah, what were you going to say? I think that viewing that person as Mary Magdalene is really um, adds a lot to her story. And um, especially the way Mr. Bachelor writes it, um, adds a lot to her story and how uh, empowering it uh, it is for us to be right where she was in that moment, which was at the feet of Jesus. And for her life, that was multiple times. You saw it there, if that was her. You saw it at the uh, before Jesus died with the spike nard. You saw it uh, at her feet when Martha's like, can you tell Mary to help me? And just these multiple times where that's where Mary was and that's where I want to be. That's where we need to be is right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to make a video about this story, the the woman caught in adultery pretty soon, but I was like looking up some, some stuff for, cause you know, I I was like, oh, I want to make a video about the woman caught in adultery. So I was like looking up some stuff and I know Ellen White, um, she's a really good Bible commenter you don't know who she is but um she she writes that the very people that brought her to or i mean she's talking about the woman caught in adultery right the very people Mm -hmm. that brought the woman caught in adultery to the feet of jesus to be like hey um like like what are you going to do about this because they were testing him to see you know if he doesn't like throw stones at her and doesn't kill her then he's breaking the law of moses if he does then you know, they're going to be like, oh, look, he's he's judging when only Rome can do that. So then he's like, you know, they're they're trying to trap him. So they bring they bring right. her there and she's like, they're, they're like, Jesus, what do you say? And she writes that the very people that are the ones that brought her to Jesus's feet are the ones that led her into that sin. Right. So right. they set they her led her. Yeah, they set her up into that. And then they're like, look at what look at what she did. What are you going to say, Jesus? And I was thinking like, dude, that's literally what, uh, this is the video that I'm going to make. It's like, that's literally what like the enemy does to us, right? Like he leads us into sin mm-hmm. and he goes like, and then he, then he does a 180, right? And he's like, what is Jesus going to think about you? Like, oh, look at you now, right? Wow, yeah. And the whole, the, the whole lie is like, the whole lie is just like, like Jesus is going to condemn you, right? Like Jesus has only one mm-hmm. answer. It's like stoning, like that's it, right? Like he's going right. to condemn you. But then Jesus says the same thing to us that he says to her. He says, like, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mm. And it's just like, it's so powerful that when we put ourselves in that, in, in her shoes, it's like sometimes we're, because sin, sin is a deception, right? Like that, that's the whole mm-hmm. point. It's like, you're deceived. You know, when you fall into sin, it's you're deceived. Like, that's not who you are. You fell into something that's not you. You've been deceived. But then we pull up with those deceptions and we're like, oh man, like Jesus is going to condemn me. Jesus is condemning me. He's like, I don't condemn you. Like go and sin no more. 
right? So when the mm-hmm. devil pulls us away, he's deceiving us. And, you know, we can just be like, oh man, like that's not who I am. Like, like that that's the whole lie. It's like, I'm not who I am. I know that I'm not condemned for, for those things. I'm not like judged, mm-hmm. you know, God is not looking at me like, man, what did you do? He's just like, like, dude, like, I love you. He says, I don't condemn you. Yeah. And realizing that, oh, in the moment is, is crazy. Like under trying to understand that and accept that when, I don't know, when anyone's like, oh man, I I fell again or I did this again. Um, How, how am I ever going to get back? Um, Wow. That's powerful. That's her story. Uh, whoever that woman is say it's Mary say it's not that that person is you know is us too Mm. wow yeah like she um she sat there thinking like she would be condemned like she I think Ellen White also writes that she was like like she couldn't even look Jesus in the eye right because she's like looking at the dude Mm -hmm. who's gonna throw the first stone that's what she thinks Right, and it's she thinks that not because she knows who Jesus is. She thinks that because of what these Pharisees are like, you know, making her think. Because they're like, "Oh, look, bring her like stone her." Right? It's because of the Pharisees that are like, she's like, "Oh man, Jesus is gonna stone me." Because if she like later when she knows who Jesus is, right, she wouldn't be afraid. Right? She's not gonna be like, "Oh man, I'm afraid of Jesus." No, but in the moment, she's like, she doesn't know who Jesus is. She, the Pharisees are like, like he's gonna condemn you, you know, and she's like scared of him. Mm-hmm. She can't even look up at him. And that's what the devil gets us to do, right? Like a lot of people are just like, like, oh, wow. Like they're scared to come to Christ. And they're like, dude, but if I come, Mm -hmm. then he's going to do, he's going to like, look at me like this. Like he won't accept me. He won't do this. But the whole time, again, he says, I don't condemn you. Mm -hmm. Because God never changes just because your perception is, is, this is deceived is is covered is blinded god is still that same person standing saying neither do i condemn you go and sin no more and at the devil you know it's interesting to find that that war between our temples you know that great controversy right here uh, in each of our heads for you know we're we're the one putting those words in the mouth of god or that other and saying those things when they've never said it, those things ever, especially God. God is always, I love you. You know, I'm with you. I'm never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. And, you know, this is how, you know, search for me and you'll find even more of this, but it's already here with you for you. Mm. Yeah, man. Like, like, like you said, like God is, God will never leave you or forsake you. And that's something that I've been like realizing a lot more recently too, where it's like, you know, my God being with me isn't dependent on like, you know, whether I miss a day or, of my devotions, right? Because sometimes, especially in canvassing, we've, we can get in that like, oh, I didn't do my devotions today. So man, like, is God with me? Like, oh, man, like, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not dependent, like, God is with you, like, it's not dependent on what you do or not, like, should you do your devotions? Yeah, like, reading your, your Bible is great, right, like, you know, you can, you can spend time with God, right, you should, but if you don't, like, go actively, like, search out and spend time with him, like, he's not just gonna be like, you know, peace, I'm out, yeah, and it's, 
<laughs> that reminds me, have you seen the, you know, the meme where it's just like a dude like peace signing and he fades out? <laughs> That's not <laughs> no. God, you know? Like God is not like that. Yeah. He's not just like peace and fade. That's why like the 23rd Psalm specifically, um, understanding that Hebrew word follow can also be a hot pursuit, you know, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life you know it's it's continuous it's it's pursuing after you it's it's there versus goodness and mercy is somewhere and i have to find it mm. you know stop going the other direction it's gonna hit you right in the face you know because yeah. it's yeah. following after you yes yeah, so, something that um something that james mentioned to me james is another um he's a student at souls west right now um, hopefully I can get him on soon. But something James told me once about the the parable of the lost sheep, right? And this stuck with me. I was mm-hmm. like, dang, this is good. I never heard about it. I never heard it like broken down like this or, or in this light. But he was like, a lot of the times we think that, um, or we, we know what the story says, but we don't really like, we, we don't take it to heart, right? We think that, you know, when God loses a sheep, he just opens the pen and he's like, you can come back if you want. It's open. That's my grace. My grace mm-hmm. is that it's open right? Mm -hmm. But the story, he goes out looking for the sheep. He doesn't just leave Mm -hmm. it open. He goes out to look for it, you know? Yeah. And that stuck with me, man. I was like, dang, I've never heard it, you know, spoken like that. Uh, Yeah. Being reminded of the promises of God's love. Um, And I think it's, I don't think, I know it's, it's powerful, but when you see it, a, a promise of God's love in like a story like that versus a verse that says, I love you from God, you know, it's, it's still powerful, but I mean like seeing it in that story and being able to understand that story more and how it's applicable now uh, to you right now in this moment has just so much more, it feels so much more powerful Hmm. than say a verse that says, I have loved you with an everlasting love because well, for this, you know, saying I love you versus showing I love you, you know? Yeah. We oh, see man. that. We understand much, much better. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son, too. Because, um, mm. like, when the son was coming up, the father ran out to meet him, right? And it's even more when you think about how I heard that back then, like, men who were, like, you know, wealthy and respectable men, they didn't run. Like you don't run. Like that's not a thing you do. Right. So when this son, when this son, he's coming up and he's like thinking like, man, like I'm just going to tell him I'm a servant. Like he, he's like not seeing that he's son, right. He's not seeing his identity for what he is. And he sees his Mm -hmm. father come running something. He's never seen his father do. He comes running to him. He's like, Oh my gosh, like what the heck is this man doing? And then he embraces him, puts on the coat, gives him a ring. Like, it just makes the story so much more, like, powerful. Or it's like God is going after him, or going after us, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. That's an awesome reminder of how active God's love is. How he's not just, you know, up there, hey, God, you know, praying up to the sky, saying, hey, God, you know, I'm down here. How's it going? It's like he's sitting in the seat beside you, you know, in spirit, if you will. But it's just understanding God's love as an active 
um, living love mm. versus just words you read on a page. And those words help you to, well, they tell you that it's active and living. Yeah. I think what you just said is like pretty much sums up how I've been able to like understand Christianity recently is where before it's just like things you read on a page. It's like, cool. But recently it's been like an active living love, you know, where you can understand it like that, where it's like mm -hmm. just so different. Like I'm not reading like, like, you know, like you just said, like you read these stories and it's like, that's, that's a demonstration. That's an example of God's love for me right now. Like it's applicable to my mm -hmm. life. And it's not just like, Oh yeah. Like he comes running out to the sun that's cool it's like dude he comes running out to me like yeah that, isn't that like, beautiful what? yeah well thank you so much for coming on charles is there um is there anything you want to add to the study section we've been talking about <laughs> um no um i think throwing in there isaiah chapter 43 uh verses one through five whoever listens to this i hope they look it up and read it it's just god saying you know i'm with you i have called you i have redeemed you i love you you are mine you know when you mm. when you go through these trials when you go through whatever you go through i am with thee these things will not hurt you these things will you know it's this ever presence ever present love and presence of god he's he's always watching you he's always has a mind to care for you and that's god's love for you and your identity my identity our identity in christ is understanding that is one of the most powerful and impactful things that you can do Especially for me, I think understanding more of that and accepting more of that, surrendering to more of that is what really changes my life, changes actively and has changed my life and will continue to change my life. Dang. Dude, I was going to ask you to like give one, one or two lines that you want to leave people with, but that was it, dude. It. That was it. Um, in Christ, you're his son. That's your identity. You're his daughter. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for this time. Um, I was completely apprehensive, not too anxious, but definitely a little bit of anxious sprinkled on top going into this. But I feel like refreshed even coming out of it. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. No problem.